welcome everyone. Thank you for joining today's panel on computational methods in biology and drug discovery. I'm joined with a, but I think it's a really exciting panel. I think I've, I know everyone individually, personally, uh, quite well. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining today. I think just to uh, get started straight away, I think just a very brief introduction from everyone in the panel. My, my name is Tomas. I'm the chief operating officer at, at uh, Vatical Labs, which formerly known as Graken Labs. I think maybe if everyone could say just their name and what's uh, just a sentence on where they are from, I think that would be useful. If we start with you, Anthony. Thomas, thanks. Um, delighted to be here. My name is Anthony, Anthony Finbo. I'm chief executive at Eagle Genomics, um, cloud-based software platform looking at networking microbiome science for industry. Excellent. Nick, do you want to go next? Sure, my name is Nick Sharma. Um, I'm founder and CEO um, of Biocortex. I'm also um, a neurologist and um, a neuroscientist. Welcome. And Conrad? Uh, my name is Conrad. I'm a software, um, data science software engineer at Roche. And previously, I've been supporting um, integrations in GSK, so also pharmaceutical company. Thank you. Great. And last but not least, uh, Zizis. Hello, um, this is Kozlakidis. I'm the head of laboratory services and biobanking at the International Agency for Research on Cancer. It's an executive research agency of the World Health Organization. And we do a lot of work for guidelines, setting the standards for um, everybody else in terms of research and medical science. Fantastic. Well, thank you everyone for, for joining today. And I think uh, to set the tone for today, I think I, I spoke about this during my talk. Um, but the life sciences space has seen a lot of technical innovation, especially in the past couple of decades. And there's, I think, a lot of very exciting stuff happening. And, but there's also challenges. For example, rates on returns on investments on drug discovery have, have continued to decline over the past decade. And so there's, I think, a lot of opportunity to, to innovate and, and really made an impact on the world. And I think COVID-19 has have made an, a special, put in a special spotlight on the life sciences industry on, on what they actually contribute to, to life and to health in general, that there may be, we are at a, at a potential, a very important inflection point. So I think this conversation is very topical. And to kick things off, and there's there's roughly three questions, I think, that I'd like to start discussing. And, and I'll start with the first question. And Anthony, if, if, if you want to answer and start answering, and, uh, and the rest, feel free to jump in as well, if, if, you, if, you, if you wish. But um, Anthony, what would you say that what what challenges would you would you think about when in the life sciences, especially with large organizations, when it comes to the adoption of new technologies? Well, I think um, for what it's worth, uh, Thomas uh, and and other panelists, delighted to be speaking with you. Um, you know, I've been uh, a, a serial entrepreneur, a builder of deep tech businesses, if you like, uh, over the last twenty years. Um, always business-to-business business enterprise software businesses. Um, Eagle Genomics is my first life sciences endeavor. But um, the pattern repeats. Um, um, uh, and generally speaking, you know, when there's disruptive te technology, uh, as William Gibson says, um, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. So you have the early adopters within the enterprises. They're enthusiastic. Uh, but then they, you know, champion you into different kinds of conversations. And then you meet the blockers. And of course, in the pharma and biotech industry particularly, uh, we are in the early transformation of the industry. You know, uh, I think, Thomas, you talk about computational biology. You know, 
it's broader than that. Um, but we're seeing that uh, enterprises are still trying to work out whether they are technology businesses, uh, you know, uh, building the infrastructure to deliver drug targets, therapeutics, uh, insight uh, uh, for medical innovation, or whether they are, in fact, you know, biology companies. Uh, I think one of the big challenges in the early market is uh, you're fighting against those internal teams that think they're going to do it themselves. But what I'd say is I've seen this over a number of industries over many generations now. You have a transformation in an industry. You start with the uh, organizations trying to build out themselves. And then as they recognize that uh, they are focused on the co company's end endeavor and not building the technology for that, a transformation occurs. Particularly, we saw this, by the way, in the uh, telecommunications industry, which was radically disrupted by internet protocol technologies, the two-bit mm. code. And now, of course, uh, you know, life science industry is being disrupted radically by the four-bit code, DNA. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and so what I think is that we have to you know, prepare for the long haul if you're focused on biotech and pharma, but also it's fundamental that we build enterprise-ready infrastructure, architectures, uh, that meet muster, uh, that enable that you know that can pass the um, you know the uh, security compliance challenges uh, that the enterprises inevitably uh, need us to need us to, uh, to, to to meet in order for them to be comfortable deploying our technologies. So I mean, there's just a couple of the uh, you know the major challenges I see. Yeah, yeah, and I think Nick, I saw you nodding there. What's what's your view on this? No, I agree. Actually, I I, I think um, I I think the challenge. Um, is actually down to lexicon and actually how we label ourselves and how we're labeled in relation, um, as Anthony said, to, to, to more traditional um, uh, sort of sectors. So within sort of university, within the clinical world, within um, sort of large um, sort of organizations like that, the, the type of approach that we're using here and that we're all obviously huge um, enthusiasts of, you know, falls between different sort of funding panels. And so it's very, very challenging. I, th I think one of the things that we, we, we could do as a group is actually to actually label ourselves much more clearly and push that label. Interesting. And, and, and Conrad, you of course have a, well, a practitioner experience from within large pharma. How, do you consider the, this because I and I also know you're a very big advocate of, of new technologies. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so probably I would just I would approach it from different angle. Um, I so the, the biggest problem with the newest technologies, um, you know, first is if your company is actually um, it's is driven by innovation or if it is just some kind of risk aversive. Um, but uh, sometimes what I experienced is just at some point you are just overwhelmed. You can be overwhelmed by the number of new technologies. You're just flooded with the number of technologies. And, you know, still, you, obviously you can bring as much technologies as you can, but you still have to support the, 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 you know, the, the old, the established technologies. We have some, I don't know, I was supporting uh, in interfaces for clinical trials. I can't say that, okay, you know, we just put it into a rubbish and, you know, we, no, no, nobody is going to support it. You have to support it, and you know. Imagine that the number of technologies is coming, you know, with a bigger rate than the than you know, the migration of the of the old technologies. So this is the problem that at some point you have just many technologies that you have to support, and then you are coming. So I think that probably um, 
it, it would require maybe just uh, doing a more thoughtful analysis of bringing new technologies and understanding the actual use case uh, if we actually need this technology, uh, or maybe two or three technologies can be actually um, replaced by one other one. So I think that this is the biggest challenge, at least from my perspective. Yeah, and, and this is, when adopting new technologies, we'll of course have to navigate well, politics in large organizations, but I think the type of politics that you have to navigate is at a whole other other level. What's how do you consider this this, talk, this uh, topic? Yeah, yeah, our politics are definitely interesting. I mean, I, I would say um, for for new technologies, what we see, especially in low middle income countries where we we have a large number of operations, it's it's very complicated. There is just too much choice, and as Nick says there are just too many labels to be able to practically differentiate between what you can actually implement on the ground as a turnkey solution or what needs a lot of training and customizing and, and loving work to actually get you there. Um, from, from our experiences, once the argument is framed in the, in the right way, once you are clear about what the impact is, the resistance starts to reduce. It doesn't go away, but it starts mm. to reduce. And then you, the more you build the, the use case, the easier it becomes for, for eventual adoption. Yeah. yeah, I see. Is there anything on, on anything that someone said that someone wishes to comment on? Yeah, I would say, um, of course, you know, we have to have fundamentally a really exciting value proposition. Based on you know the, the the comments from the fellow panelists, in order to elevate uh, what it is we're doing beyond the technology argument to the to the uh, to the you know the business benefit, and then you can co-opt uh, stakeholders across the business to support decisions about uh, adoption deployment beyond just the technology audience. Yeah, and with with COVID nineteen, I think um, if are there would you consider there's any other drug discovery opportunities that have come out of the pandemic other than just the vaccines? Uh, Nick, Nick, what do you think? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think one of the very exciting sort of realizations um, that has come out of um, the pandemic is actually the difference between the perceived speed that things should move at and the actual speed that they act, you know, they can move at when all the blockers are actually removed. I think we have a fascinating window, perhaps a short-lived window, where now there, there's we 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 could push very hard on 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 a number of different fronts, um, both from a regulatory perspective, from um, developing new therapeutics, because the it's it's become very clear that you know we don't we don't need vast quantities of time necessarily um, mm. to solve these very very large mm. problems. So certainly looking at the neurogenitive diseases like motor neuron disease, you know, th this is something we can cure. This isn't something that, you know, it, we, we can cure it. What we need is actually the, the investment and um, the, the very new approaches to it. So yeah, I, I, I think a huge, I think there's a, a huge opportunity um, at the moment. And, and Conrad, how do you see this uh, yourself? Um, I couldn't agree more with Nick. Um, yeah, I think that uh, the the current situation, the pandemic, showed us how how you know the 
how we can speed up some processes. Um, you know, from my perspective, I, I'm not a computational biologist, so I can say what it looks like in um, in huge big pharma. And it was pretty interesting to to see that finally, um, it, at least in some cases, uh, we just remove the boundary or the, re removed the mm. barrier between the you no know, scientists, life scientists, or bio computational biologists, tech teams, and also some other AIML teams, let's say. In the, uh, in the past, there was a huge barrier between them. Sometimes mm. these teams has, you no, know, theoretically, they had the same goal. In practice, they were just doing, you know, a tech team wanted to get as much technologies as they can. You know, uh, life scientists, they actually didn't care too much about it. Um, so, and what I, what I saw um, during the last year was that we actually um, a little bit realigned our strategy and the tech teams uh, came closer to the actual life, science, life scientists. I saw a lot of my friends were actually um, working really closely with life scientists and, it, and th this actually um, increased the rate of discovery. And it helped us, you know, to move, to move, and to to make it quicker to discover. Just you know to do a research. That that is what I yeah. saw. That is what I've seen from my experience. Yeah. And this is what's your uh, what's your opinion on this? Oh, absolutely. It's it's one of the fantastic um, experiences where different teams were in the same room, and and you didn't even have to force them to talk to each other. They they mm -hmm. did it quite organically because there was a very common and urgent point to which we had to get there as soon as possible. And I think if we can replicate that urgency for some of the other mm. conditions, uh, we'll be in, in a good way towards getting there. I think that's a very hopeful tone, as I believe we are at, at the hour, um, or at the minute, I should say. Is there uh, any, any final uh, remarks, any, any final very short remarks that anyone wishes to leave our audience with? The revolution has begun. It's exciting to be participating in it. Exactly. Just a very optimistic view for the future. Yeah, that, that's amazing. And, and that's, uh, I, th I think the, the industry has certainly that responsibility, but the, perce the perception also in the way the world is, is certainly acknowledged. Um, and I think just to, just to highlight a couple of things that, that I thought were interesting that people said, uh, I think, Nick, your comment on, on saying that uh, the, one of the neurodegenerative diseases that you work on can be cured. I think, I think that's a very hopeful message, if, 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 if anything. And, and the idea of removing internal barriers within organizations uh, to allow innovation to flourish, I think that one is a, is, is a beautiful one. And that's certainly something that uh, we also at, at Vatical face when we work with teams that are trying to implement our technology, but have, let's say, uh, accountants counting the deciding on the technology stack that sometimes doesn't really work well. Uh, so with that, uh, thank you so much, the four of you. Uh, we'll sync up separately. Uh, it'd be great to meet now that the, the world is opening up. And I hope you have a wonderful day. And thank you everyone for listening in as well. Thanks, Thomas. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you everyone.